I am wearing my Twitter blue today for a reason, because Twitter is getting exposed for the propaganda machine that it always was before Elon Musk purchased the platform. And we discussed the worst WNBA trade in human history, as well as the Disrespect for Marriage Act and where Christian freedom goes from here. This is your favorite night of the week, The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. Yes, I can't believe that I skipped weeks (laughs) like these last two weeks. And I'm sorry, but we're back with episode uh, 15 of season six on the deep end, where we discuss politics and culture and social issues from a Christian worldview. My name is Tim and I'm your host. And if you would do me the favor of giving me the like, the subscribe and clicking the notification bell right now, right now, so you can get notified like I just did when the deep end or the deep dive or 10 questions with Tim goes live. So much to talk about too much to talk about. And again, I always regret when I take a week off. Is anyone distracted by, I don't know, Christmas, you know, the holidays? Like, isn't this supposed to be where the news kind of fades into the background and we don't really worry about the world? But it seems like everybody's desperate to make huge news and huge news is just booming right now. And it, it, it gets me thinking. It gets me thinking about the fact that we've got to understand something about the Bible that we often forget. We're not of this world, right? We're not supposed to love this world. We're not supposed to enjoy it here. And if you're a Christian and frustrated and you're saying to yourself what I say to myself, what is going on? I got good news for you. Um, exactly what is supposed to be going on. But let me digress for a moment. The world is crazy. Yes, this is a crazy world. And we've got, you know, drag queens teaching kids to twerk in public in New York City. We, we've got, remember the American Girl Company, formerly known for selling overpriced dolls to upper middle class families. They're now publishing a book that teaches kids to embrace gender dysphoria and perhaps transition if it's right for them. And then you have the city of Boston joining the federal government and the state of California in giving away crack pipes to drug addicts on the streets increasing homelessness and down destroying neighborhoods and property values. This while 196 Americans die every day of fentanyl overdoses. And then you look and you say, look at this transgender confusion. It's skyrocketing. It is peaking. It is growing ever more so every single day we wake up, particularly, and this is interesting, around the nation's capital, which has currently a 2.7% population of transgender people. Uh, Amazing that our nation's capital is host to the highest percentage of transgenders in its uh, demographic. That just tells you what Jesus said 2,000 years ago in Luke 17, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Um, Yeah, we're seeing the death of America as we know it. We're seeing the death of civility and goodness and righteousness. We're seeing the increase of wickedness and darkness. And Christians are asking themselves all the time, what is going on? Well, the answer is very simple. Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three is the answer for why is there pain in the world? Why is there suffering in the world? Why do kids starve or get abused? Why do husbands beat their wives? Why does feminism seek to destroy masculinity in every form? Because of Genesis chapter three, what's going on is Genesis chapter three is where we abdicated our rule and dominion over this creation in harmony with God and gave the keys of the car to Satan. And guess what Satan does? Satan is Satan. Satan is being Satan. Jesus, well, Paul the apostle actually first describes him, not first, but he describes him in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 as the God of this world that has blinded the mind of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus called him in John 12, the ruler of this world. In John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and they might have life abundantly. My friends, the world is ugly. The world is not our home. And we've got to understand that. And we've got to imbibe that spirit now more than ever. You see, I was raised in the church. I was raised as a Christian. I was raised and struggled many times as young Christians do with raging hormones and the appeal 
of the secularists of our culture. They had great music. They had shiny stars. They had popular voices. When I was a teenager, the struggle with the world was real because the world had a facade on, a facade of beauty and glamour and fame and fortune. But it was hiding the underbelly that is being exposed currently in our cultural conversation now. This is why John the Apostle said very famously, do not love the world, 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he references three temptations that apply to the Genesis 3 moment. He says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh. What did the woman see? She wanted the apple or the fruit, the pomegranate, as we talked about on the deep dive a couple weeks ago. The desires of the eyes. She saw the fruit that it was good for what? Gaining wisdom and knowledge. The pride of life he talks about here in 1 John 2, 16. This is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world, notice that last line, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, this applies to what we report on this channel all the time in the Deep End show. And it leads me to a segment we haven't done in a while, but I've got to do it again, a Deep End follow-up. The Deep End follow-up. So last two weeks ago on the deep end, I reported about a uh, Sports Illustrated reporter, Grant Wall, who made a big stink about being kicked out of a World Cup match because of his pro-LGBT virtue signaling shirt. And then I talked about how the Guitarian there got on Twitter and said, this is good, I'm proud of what happened in this country. And it's just again, we were talking about how pushing our values on these foreign countries, not gonna be a good look for us going forward as America continues to devolve. Well, sad news out of Qatar last week, that same reporter suddenly died of a heart attack at the World Cup. He was 48 years old, his wife is mystified. And all I can say is, how does this keep happening? How do 40 year olds at the prime of life who look healthy suddenly start dying of heart attacks? I bet I could guess Grant Wall's vaccination status, but I'm not gonna go there today. There's far too much to talk about in other areas. The point is that if you follow the God of this world, if you love this world, you pay the price. And we need to uncover the lies of this world more and more. And thankfully, Elon Musk is helping that happen on Twitter daily. That brings me to Deep End News. Deep, 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 deep End News. The news you choose if you could choose news. Yeah, so Elon Musk continues to expose Twitter as a functional arm of the progressive ultra left wing ideologies of our country. At least that's what it was until he bought it with the release of a second batch of what is being called the Twitter files and eternal documents exposing the ideology and corruption of the country to aid and abet the Biden administration getting into office in 2020 while silencing conservatives and unfairly censoring alternative voices in the science around COVID. We are learning more and more just how corrupt big tech is. Now, this matters because I guarantee you that what we are finding out about Twitter in the past is happening in the present with Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Pinterest, uh, the news organizations. My point is you're being shaped. You're being shaped by a billionaire class that wants you to lose your moral center, follow their ideology implicitly and unquestionably, and ultimately deny, deny any allegiance to biblical values and Christ. First, of course, NPR reporting from the release of these Twitter files that the Biden team requested and got positive response from Twitter to scrub scandalous Hunter Biden info days before the 2020 election. Now, did that sway the electorate enough to give him the the White House? Perhaps, possibly, we don't know for sure. Um, then there's Barry Weiss. This is a married lesbian, by the way, and a former New York Times journalist who left because of the increasing lack of diversity of thought at the New York Times. And she's listing, she has a Twitter thread on her Twitter page, listing all the ways in which the heads of Twitter controlled and they did it on purpose, controlled what you saw on the platform through controlling visibility and having visibility filters and suppressing certain people on the platform, people such as Libs of TikTok, one of the, one of the best follows on Twitter, who keeps just simply sharing the craziness on TikTok from liberal and uh, uh, progressive teachers and preschool teachers and others and also suppressing Dr. Jay Bhattacharya of Stanford because he argued that the COVID lockdowns would harm children. Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist, which prevented his tweets from trending. This is 
what has been happening in Twitter up until the day Elon Musk bought it. Now you can understand why so many people didn't want him to buy it because now he's exposing how much corruption is going on in big tech. I have been talking about this again and again about the governmental big tech pharmaceutical industrial complex. They want you drugged, misinformed, and in line with one agenda to recreate the American experience for everyone. Now, as all of this comes out, as, as the news breaks of this incredible corruption in, inherent in Twitter's past and possibly, very possibly um, uh, commensurate with YouTube, Google, who owns YouTube, and, and other uh, media outlets, social media outlets, how much time did ABC, CBS, and NBC cover the story? How much time? Wanna guess? Once, once. <laughs> the legacy media covered the biggest uh, corruption concerning your right to know one time, and they don't look like they're planning on covering it at all. This is because corrupt people have each other's backs. So you were demanded to sit at home, watch Netflix, order from Amazon, eat Domino's, while your kids sat at home, lost social skills, didn't actually study, didn't learn, lost developmental skills, were forced to mask up at age one, and Twitter silenced doctors and professionals who held objection, objecting opinions to that madness. Never forget the madness they foisted on you. Never forget putting masks on screaming toddlers at preschools, toddlers who were the least likely to be affected negatively by COVID infection. Never forget the way that women were choked in the streets by police officers because they didn't wear a mask. Never forget when ordinary citizens were surrounded by several police officers and forced to wear a mask. This was happening while Twitter and big tech were making sure that the narrative was shaping you to not ever object to all of this madness. By the way, great question for all the progressives and the earth worshipers. Where are those masks now? Those billions of masks that we sold and distributed to the populace all over the world. Well, the Independent reports, very interestingly, 1.6 billion disposable masks entered the ocean in 2020 and will take 450 years to biodegrade. The subtitle there of the article, Waste from Throwaway Masks Created a Mass of Plastic Waste Around 7% of the Size of the Great Garbage Plastic and so here we are, uh, three years going on, three years into this crazy madness of the COVID pandemic, and we're ruining the earth. And the same people who fought for us to wear masks are then going to turn around and say, we need to take more tax money from you to clean up all the masks from the ocean. Can't wait. Can't wait for where are we going. My point is, friends, that we are in a simulation. And like Neo, is going to be a fight to stand for truth and righteousness in a nation gone completely wacko. Meanwhile, our hero, quote unquote hero, Elon Musk, is loving the role of the villain right now. He tweeted out scorched earth content in five words a few days ago, tweeting out, quote, my pronouns are prosecute Fauci. And so, of course, the Twitter sphere blew up. This made headline news, of course, ABC, CBS, NBC. They covered that. Of course, they'd cover that. And then uh, astronaut Scott Kelly responded to the tweet saying, Elon, please don't mock and promote hate towards already marginalized and at risk of violence members of the LGBTQ plus community. They are real people with real feelings. Furthermore, Dr. Fauci is a dedicated public servant whose sole motivation was saving lives. But not to be outdone, Elon Musk responded saying, quote, I strongly disagree. Forcing your pronouns upon others when they didn't ask and implicitly ostracizing those who don't is neither good nor kind to anyone. As for Fauci, he lied to Congress and funded gain of fun fun function research that killed millions of people. Not awesome in my opinion. Boom, <laughs> mic drop, oh my goodness. I can't believe he's, his boldness here. And to summarize a very important truth and fact that I haven't even heard preachers say, forcing your pronouns upon others when they didn't ask and implicitly ostracizing those who don't is neither good nor kind to anyone. Are you weak-willed, spineless preachers listening yet? The world is begging for truth. 
and a Playboy billionaire who makes electric cars is willing to speak up truth and preachers in today's pulpits are not. It is a sad state of affairs. But what we are learning again and again and again is the narrative you hear is lies. The narrative you hear is lies. You don't have to like me or this channel. You don't have to agree with me. That's the beauty of America. That's the beauty of freedom, right? But one thing you have to be aware of is that we are being molded by a dark under the surface movement that wants to reshape Western society, undermine the family and destroy our sacred institutions and make sure that nobody hears anyone objecting to it. And this is very important for understanding where we are and what we are becoming. And it brings me to the news of Brittany Griner and the exchange of her for Victor, Bla Victor Bout by our fearless president. That brings me to politics. Our dear leader moved heaven and earth to get Brittany Griner out of a Russian prison. So Brittany Griner, she's a WNBA player. She's a black lesbian pot smoker who was in prison for bringing hashish into the country of Russia. They put her in a terrible prison camp. I felt really bad for Brittany. To get her released, again, Biden moved heaven and earth. She was swapped for the merchant of death arms dealer, Victor Bout. This trade has the word woke all over it. Now, now, mind you, our president didn't bother to get Paul Whelan, the Marine now serving a 16-year prison sentence in Russia, out for the arms dealer. No, just a very intersectional box-checking female basketball star. Of course, we do not want Americans locked in foreign prisons. Again, no one wants any other American locked in foreign prisons. It's terrible. But this trade is horrible. And it tells us this. Woke ideology is greater than national security. The reason why is because think about what's going on right now. Russia is fighting a war with Ukraine. Our tax dollars are going to Ukraine to buy them weapons. We're sending millions and billions of dollars almost every single day into Ukraine to fight Russia. And we just released the merchant of death, a Russian arms dealer. We just gave it back to them. So the U.S. funds a war for Russia's and funds the enemies of Russia's war and then gives Russia back the arms dealer to help perpetuate the war. See, this is the U.S. losing on both ends. Russia needs weapons against Ukraine. America needs to bow the, before the altar of diversity, equity and inclusion ethic. And at the end of the day, the trade just, quote unquote, made sense for our president. Meanwhile, Russian media is responding with glee to this trade as they know that they are exposing our country's ridiculous woke ideology at the cost of national security. I ran across this Russian uh, media uh, show. This is a news show where they were discussing the trade. And for those of you who are listening to the show, I'm going to do my best to read the subtitles for you as you listen. What the Russians are saying about this trade is unbelievable and listen to how they discuss why this trade was made. Watch. He is a hero. He has one, two, three problems. This is Paul Whelan. His first problem is that he's white. His second problem is that he's a man. His third problem is that he is heterosexual. This is not something that can be forgiven today. It's just a catastrophe. Yes, here Griner beats him in every aspect. American voters were given a choice. A hero who suffered while serving his fatherland. A metal-covered hero who suffered during his service. To his fatherland, the United States or a black lesbian hooked on drugs <laughs> who suffered for a vape with hashish and well-known for the sake of PR. American voters are choosing the obvious. I think that for us, it's one more piece of good news. The first good news is that Bout has returned, and the second good news is that a nation that spits on its heroes to the extent that it considers it significantly more important to free a rightfully charged well-known athlete. She didn't suffer because she suffer, served her motherland, but because she couldn't live for 10 hours without hashish. Instead of freeing the prison, person in prison for two years for serving his motherland, this says a lot about the state of this society, of these intelligence agencies. 
and everything related to geopolitical confrontation. Unbelievable admittance there and understanding on the part of the Russian people, they know that they can win a war with us through Ukraine by leveraging our wokeism against us. <laughs> this is unbelievable. And I had this thought, like Russia now knows, they, they've learned, they've learned that if you want to do biz with the American government, you better take the right people captive. You better take a certain, I don't know, proportion of the, cover, of the constituency in prison when they come visit. Maybe just plant some marijuana on them and take them into custody and get yourself another spot, Russian spy back. Um, I, my commentary on this is this is bad news for black lesbians. You are now a hot commodity in foreign diplomacy for unwoke countries. They coming for you. They're not coming for me. I can tell you that right now. In fact, I would venture, and I say this kind of tongue in cheek, I would venture that I could go to Russia and be totally left alone. They wouldn't give a rip about me. I'd take it a little bit further. I bet you that I could go to Russia and smoke hashish in Red Square and not get bothered. Why? I'm a male heterosexual Christian pastor. Russian authorities know I'm of no value to our president at all. Biden would not trade me for a pound of dirt. He wouldn't trade me for nuclear weapons. He wouldn't trade me for the deed to the Kremlin. <laughs> Bad news, again, I say, for black lesbians. Our country just told Russia that you are worth that much. We will give arms dealers back to the country that is fighting the country we are paying to defend that country from. Meanwhile, Victor Bout, the arms dealer, merchant of death guy, stuns America with a sympathetic and empathetic view of what's happening in our country. I ran across this interview. You won't believe what he says. Watch this. Do you hate America? No. You know, in fact, I'm knowing many inmates. I figure out we're sharing way more common. Maybe America is very much similar. Look, it's the same size. They have a, it's the same kind of this. And when you talk to them, there is nothing there even to beef about. We are naturally, you know, born not to be enemies. And whenever there's conflict, it's elites. You know, every, you know, American I met in a prison who is from rural area, was very easy to deal with. He has no problem with Russia, and he was curious about Russia, despite all propaganda. They're losing their Christian values. They're losing their families. They're losing literally their countries. It's not anymore the same country. We knew America, who used to be a model for entire world, and lead and be an example, you know, like they say, a shiny town on the, you know, sparkling town on a hill. And this is, of course, pity. It was a strong country who was really a, you know, industrial might, you know, this one. And look, for 30, 40 years, deindustrialization, drug problem, crime waves. You can understand, and I feel more empathy to American after this experience than I would feel any hate. Unbelievable. Um, unbelievable that Victor Bout understands what's been happening to America better than our own leaders. Uh, he sees it. He sees exactly what I've been talking about. Do not love this world. Do not love this country for what it is becoming. <laughs> it used to be a shiny city on a hill. You know, he's quoting Ronald Reagan right there. Ronald Reagan, who stood for pro-life values, who stood for traditional marriage, who stood for freedom, who stood against this the fascism that he saw coming from the liberal side of our politics, which is now becoming a reality. And Victor Bout is saying, yep, the U.S. is losing its Christian values and it's no longer the example that we once knew for the, for the world. I, I mean, I'm stunned. But think about this, too. Who did Victor Bout meet in those prisons in America? He met rural Americans who were probably Christian or at least had some Christian upbringing and who were also bemoaning the trajectory of our country. And it was those people 
that caused this merchant of death to feel some manner of sympathy and empathy for what is happening in our country. The world is flipped upside down, at least in this country. And that brings me to ridiculous news. Ridiculous. More ridiculousness on the horizon in our country. But to see what's happening, we have to just look north to a country called Canada. I give you Christine Gauthier. This is a 52-year-old retired corporal who, comp- who competed in the 2016 Paralympics at Rio de Janeiro, testified to lawmakers recently, or at least I think three years ago, that a VA official had offered in writing to provide her with a medically assisted suicide kit. This is not a joke. She wanted a wheelchair and she was offered medically assisted suicide. Watch this, you won't believe it. For Christine Gautier, the fight to get a wheelchair lift in her home has been an uphill battle. I have to crawl down the stairs on my, on my butt with the wheelchair in front of me to be able to access my, my house. While pleading her case to a Veterans Affairs case manager over the phone in 2019, she was told something that would leave her feeling shocked. If things are so hard at this point and uh, you, you just can't keep going on, then you, you know we can assist you with uh, aid to die. And she's not the only one. Uh, yeah, she's not the only one. Um, Canada is going full fascist Nazi on its elderly and disabled. Imagine asking for medical assistance after having suffered and competed for your country's name and then that same country telling you to off yourself because that would be better. I bring you an article from CBC News out of Manitoba. Medically assisted deaths could save millions in healthcare spending. This is a not this is a Nazi mantra. Let's kill the medically uh, the people who need medical assistance, because after all, we would save so much money. I, I, I ask you to watch The Pianist. It's a fabulous movie about what happened in Nazi Germany to one particular very talented piano playing uh, Jew. But in one of the scenes, the partygoers at a German party are talking about how it's so much cheaper to just put to death the mentally handicapped or the physically handicapped because the state, you know, it needs the money. This is what Canada's becoming. This article says, quote, medically, uh, new research suggests medically assisted dying could result in substantial savings across Canada's healthcare system. Doctor assisted death could reduce annual healthcare spending across the country by between 34 to $136 million, according to a report published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal on Monday. The savings exceedingly outweigh the expected, uh, estimated $1.5 to $14.8 million in direct costs associated with implementing medically assisted dying. How are we even having this conversation? How is Canada even having this conversation? These are the arguments of Nazis. Look it up for yourself. And here it is across the pond to our neighbors to the north. It's unbelievable what's happening. You say, well, that's that's Canada. We don't have to worry about Canada. We don't have to worry about them because we're not like them at all. Okay, really? I give you Ezekiel Emanuel, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel. This is one of the architects of Obamacare, by the way. He served the Obama administration, and I'll tell you about his present job shortly. That healthcare legislation that went into effect under Obama that actually raised your premiums and pretty much kind of centralized healthcare as we know it, in, or at least is the trajectory toward centralizing healthcare. He wrote a piece in The Atlantic, quote, why I hope to die at 75. He also included a graph of when people are no longer useful in a society in that article. And you can see that their last contribution, according to Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, our Obamacare architect, their last valuable contribution is at age 60. Uh, yeah, yeah. This has a strange feel of Eastern Europe, 1930s all over it. <laughs> now, in an interview with MIT, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel was asked certain questions about the philosophy or at least the, the theory of no longer being useful at age 75. And the question that was asked went like this. You suggest that one effect of our obsession with longevity is that it diverts attention from the health and well-being of children. Now, notice what he responds here by saying. He says, lots of 
presidents and lots of politicians say children are our most valuable resource, but we as a country don't behave like that. We don't invest in children the way we invest in adults, especially older adults. One of the statistics I like to point out is if you look at the federal budget, $7 goes to people over 65 for every dollar that goes to people under 18. So there it is, the financial argument. The old people are getting way too much money of our federal budget and the young people aren't. Uh, they are taxing the system. Imagine how much more we could spend on education, or I would call it indoctrination, according to Ezekiel Emanuel, if we could just off seniors more quickly. And then they ask this question, what's wrong with simply enjoying an extended life? And his answer is, these people who live a vigorous life to 70, 80, 90 years of age, when I look at what those people do, and do is in quotation marks, almost all of it is what I classify as play. It's not meaningful work. They're riding motorcycles, they're hiking, which can all have value, don't get me wrong. But if it's the main thing in your life, um, that's not probably a meaningful life. <laughs> Holy smokes, this guy. This guy who drafted Obamacare, put together this healthcare law that we are currently living under, this is the guy who thinks that once you're done providing meaningful work for the population, for the motherland, you are now physically accessible, ex, uh, expendable. You are no longer necessary to the values of our institutions. I mean, where would you hear this before? You would hear this in Nazi Germany. Again, this stuff breeds, it spreads like a disease through the courses of human hearts. And by the way, why do I bring him up? You say, who cares? He's out of office. No, he's not. This is the doctor that Biden just tapped in 2020 to be part of his coronavirus task force. And he is well past the age of 60. I mean, unbelievable hypocrisy and unbelievable how these, these merchants of death in America are taking high office positions under Democratic presidents again and again and again. But nothing to see here from the news media. Think it's not getting into the spirit of our age? Think again. I ran across this poll question on Mr. Beast's Twitter page. The question was, if someone offered you $10,000, but if you take it, a random person on earth dies, would you take the $10,000? Let's take a look at the results of Mr. Beast's survey question on Twitter. 47% said yes. 47% of the respondents of Mr. Beast's question, $10,000 but someone random dies, 47% of America says, I'll take the money. Now, again, this is not a scientific poll. And I'm not suggesting that that was pre... I'm sure a bunch of those people said sarcastically yes, and maybe some people said sarcastically no. But it's kind of the state of things that we see right now. And again, it's why we are commanded, do not love the world. Do not love this world, friends. It is exposing itself. The soft, the, not soft, the hard, gross, nasty underbelly of hatred for humanity, for righteousness, for holiness, for goodness. That is now being exposed and you are getting a front row seat to it so that as a Christian, you can do what you should have always done with the world and that is reject its philosophy, reject its ideology and follow Christ. Love your neighbor, but follow Christ and absorb the truth of scripture every week at church and personally in your private life as well. Jesus said the thief comes to what? Steal, kill and destroy. And one of the targets that he is trying to destroy, of course, is the family. He does that by destroying God's plan for marriage. He wants that destroyed. And that brings me to news out of Washington, D.C., that the House has passed the Respect for Marriage Act. Actually, I call it the Disrespect for Marriage Act. It's sending this landmark marriage equality bill to President Biden's desk where he signed it today. Uh, now, there were a bunch of uh, amendments that some senators, conservative sen senators, wanted to put into the bill to protect religious freedoms. All those amendments were kept out of the bill. So there are no protections for religious conscience, religiously conscious people like yourself, like me. And they also kind of slipped in the language of interracial couples. So here's what they do. Here's the strategy of Satan. He he cloaks the lie with truth, with some fat, some, you know, image of the truth. Did God really say you shall not eat all the trees of the garden? That he cloaks the lie, right? God did say, eat, don't eat that one. Not all, but he cloaks. So what they did with this bill was they cloaked it in the language of interracial couples as well. This bill protects interracial couples. Interracial couples did not have any 
problems in this country right now. Yes, in times past, yes. For 70 years ago, yes. 80 or 30 years ago, perhaps discrimination. Maybe some small discrimination still to this day. But this bill was not about interracial couples. It was about redefining marriage as man and man and woman and woman. And this is to destroy God's design for family. Every, every person who is pro-homosexual marriage, I, I have a simple question. I ask this question on a regular basis on this channel. I wanna ask it again. If you are a pro-gay marriage supporter, can we then rewind your life, put you back into a mother's womb, because that's the only way you get born, by the way, and give you three options. I'm going to give you three options. Here's the options. Number one, you're born to a single mother. Number two, you're born to a homosexual couple. Number three, you're born to a loving heterosexual couple. Which one do you choose? Which one do you choose? Do you choose the single mother? Do you choose the do you choose the um, the homosexual couple, or do you choose the heterosexual monogamous marriage? You and I both know, if you are honest, we've got to, maybe we have to pump you with sodium pentothal, but if you are honest, you pick the heterosexual monogamous marriage because you want a mom and you want a dad. You don't want to be carried in a person's, a stranger's womb for nine months and then handed off to two boys who like to play house. You don't want that. No one wants that. But this is the way of the world right now, that we celebrate this as progress and it's really regress. It's really a disgusting uh, move against children and further sexualization of children. And you say, oh no, you're gonna do that old, that old lie about how homosexuality leads to pedophilia. Uh, no, I'm not going to, I'm just going to share with you who Biden invited to the White House today to celebrate the signing of the bill. Who did he invite? He invited drag queen, a drag queen who performs for children to attend the signing. This is Marty Cummings. Cummings bills himself as a drag artist, television personality and political figure. Just a week ago, Cummings shared a picture of himself dressed in drag surrounded by children for a drag queen story hour, describing it as a quote, family friendly event, end quote. And then surfacing online was a deleted tweet by Marty saying, quote, the kids are out to sing and suck D. That's a deleted, now deleted, tweet from March 5th, 2022 from Marty Cummings, who was invited by the president of the United States to celebrate the signing of the Disrespect for Marriage Act. By the way, he posted on his Twitter his gratitude for the invite so that you can be sure that he's there. He said, quote, to be a non-binary drag artist invited to the White House is something I never imagined would happen. <laughs> you and me both. And there you see pictures of him with children. And the question must be asked, not why do people bring children to drag events, but why do drag queens need children at their events? Why? Again, this is the, uh, the, the, the pornification of our children. This is the sexualization of the next generation to, to destroy them with absolute and total confusion. But it is the way of the world. It is where we are headed as a country. And this is happening more and more. And it just makes me wonder about the future. Consider that in 2015, the gay flag, gay flag colors draped the White House at the Obergefell decision by the Supreme Court. And it only took five years to get to the point where we had to surround the Capitol building with barbed wire at Biden's inauguration. And then it only took two years from that to get to the point where we have a non-binary nuclear waste expert kleptomaniac hosting spanking seminars at kink conferences in our federal government. Yes, I can't believe I just said that sentence, but it is a very true statement. Where will we be, friends, in 2030? Let me just say something to you. If you're a Christian... <laughs> Uh, you're never going to make it if you're half-hearted. You're never going to make it if you're half in the church. If you're a lukewarm Christian, I'm telling you, God is, in, in, is definitely spitting you out. And it won't even be God, it'll be culture. So you better get serious about your faith right now because it's only going to get more and more challenged. Now, right now at the Supreme Court, there's a case that's being taken up on behalf of a Christian web designer who wants to refuse to do same-sex marriage pages for her business. Uh, this is Lori Smith in Colorado, again in Colorado with these, with these Supreme Court fights. She wants the freedom. She wants Christian freedom to say, look, I don't support same-sex weddings. Uh, this is my artistic, creative uh, business, and I don't want to use my creative arts to support something that I can't agree with. Now, some are saying that this service discriminates against LGBT couples, but her supporters and lawyers are saying, and very rightly so, her speech, her work is speech, and the government cannot force her to speak in a way that she does not believe. 
It's a great way to argue the case. I am incredibly impressed, by the way, during oral arguments. Good for Justice Neil Gorsuch, who called out the decision in favor of Jack Phillips, the cake baker, which although he was given the right to, you know, hold back services to gay couples about his creative endeavors um, because of the Supreme Court decision, he was also actually mandated to attend a re-education program and then submit quarterly reports to the state about his compliance with these laws. So not exactly a win for freedom, as Jack Phillips now has to continue to do that and had to be indoctrinated through the re-education program that I'm sure told him about how wrong he was for not supporting LGBT people in the world. Anyway, this is where the country is going. If you're a half-hearted Christian, you're never going to make it. But this case with Lori Smith in Colorado asks a very important question. What can the government make you say? What can the government make you say? This is, I think, Lori Smith's lawyers are really doing a great job at creating a precedent in the Supreme Court. You have to understand the importance of uh, precedent when it comes to the Supreme Court. If a decision is made, it is very rare, very rare, that that decision is overturned. Now, of course, we just had Roe v. Wade overturned, but now if we can get a precedent, a precedent uh, decision in this very conservative-friendly Supreme Court where people's speech is protected from saying or producing something that, that violates their religious beliefs, well, this could, this could actually create a lot of freedom for people like me who preach the gospel and the word of God, people like you who might run a business of creative endeavors that you don't want to be a part of uh, homosexual marriage or anything that you know violates your Christian belief. And this, this case really, I believe, um, helps us make an argument for the freedom of religion. Now, again, some people say, it's discrimination, it's discrimination. You make a cake, make a cake for everybody. Okay, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Let's say a skinhead Nazi goes to Jack the Cake Baker in Colorado and says, I want you to make a swastika cake that says kill the Jews. Should Jack Phillips be forced to make that cake? No, of course he shouldn't be forced to make that cake. So if you say no to that, then why do you say yes to the gay marriage couple that, that Jack Phillips also doesn't believe is right? What, what, what if I go to a lesbian cake maker and I say, here's Leviticus 1819, where it says, if you lie with a woman as a man, if you lie with a man as a man, you should lie with a woman as an abomination. I want you to make a cake with that verse on it. Should that cake baker refuse me? Yes, he should be able to refuse me. I shouldn't have to force him to put Bible verses on his content. That's my view. That's my, and by the way, if I knew he was homosexual and a proud homosexual, I probably would know by the flag outside. And I probably, as a Christian, would do about three seconds of investigation, self, self-examination, say, maybe don't take my business about the Leviticus 18, 19, 18 uh, verse to this gay bake, cake baker. <sighs> a, lot <of> words, <laughs> a lot of words to pile up in my mouth there. But do you understand what I'm saying? What can the government make you say? And this goes for both homosexuals and Christians and Buddhists and Muslims. And again, the Muslims are coming. They're coming to our country and they are going to have a problem with this more than these half-hearted Christians are that we see in our country right now. This case is a matter of compelled speech. Can the government force you to speak even in your business accommodations in ways you don't agree or believe? And I want to say good job to Lori Smith's lawyers. That's a great angle to take. And of course, the left and right wing media outlets are angling the case along those, those, those fault lines in our country right now. Uh, this is Fox News. Supreme Court hears free speech arguments over the Colorado company. CBS, exact, almost same story, same case, different article. Supreme Court appears sympathetic to Colorado designer who opposes creating same-sex wedding sites. So again, this is the narrative. This is what is happening. Narratives are being shaped. And I want to just do a couple things about this and explore one more thing, because we never look past the present moment. What should we look for if the Christian business owner wins? And I think she's going to win. I think that, you know, again, the conservative court, because of Trump and his three appointments in his four years, the conservative court is going to probably side with Lori Smith out of sympathy for her religious views. Uh, thank God for Amy Coney Bryant, who is Barrett, who is also fighting uh, and asking the right questions in this case. But what's going to happen? What's going to happen to you as a Christian? I think what's going to happen is we're going to see exactly what happened when Roe v. Wade was overturned. Never forget 
When the man with a gun was arrested, a gun and knife, by the way, was arrested near Justice Kavanaugh's house shortly after the Dobbs decision. This is the tolerance. This is the tolerance of the intolerant. This is what Jesus talked about when he said that you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now, more on more of this is coming out even right now uh, as that as that web designer case is being argued in the Supreme Court. I give you news out of Virginia. This is from the USA Today. Inclusive restaurant turns away Christian group because of his beliefs. Who's the bigot? And so the article says there, last week, uh, Metzer Bar and Butchery in Richmond, Virginia, canceled a reservation for the nonprofit Family Foundation just an hour and a half before it was scheduled, before it scheduled dessert reception with supporters. Why? Because employees at the restaurant had looked up the groups on the group online and decided not to serve as members because of their advocacy for biblical principles, including traditional views on marriage and protection of unborn lives. The restaurant staff left felt I'm sorry felt uncomfortable and unsafe by the prospect of having these Christians who weren't there to cause a scene or to be disrespectful to discuss their organizational goals in their establishment. In an Instagram post about the incident. The restaurant, which prides itself on being an inclusive environment, observed many of our staff are women and or members of the LGBTQ plus community. All our, of our staff are people with rights who deserve dignity and a safe work environment. We respect our staff's establishment, um, established rights as humans and strive to create a work environment where they can do their jobs with dignity, comfort, and safety. Apparently, that same dignity and comfort aren't afforded to those with the wrong politics or beliefs. By the way, guys, stories like this are why people like me have always hated the term politically correct. It's why people like me hate the word hate. I literally have come to hate the word hate. Kind of an oxymoron, but I do hate the word hate. Why? Because hate crimes are fraudulent. Hate crime is a fraudulent issue. If you commit a crime, there is always hate involved. Got it? You don't have to add, you don't have to add hate to it. The hate, the, cra- the crime involves hate automatically. Nobody, nobody steals somebody's stuff because they love that person. No, <laughs> this is, there's hate involved. But hate is a nice way for our world to demonize thought. See, if you have the wrong thoughts, now you've committed a crime. And what are those thoughts? They're biblical value thoughts. So if you think a certain way, now you are a criminal. On a smaller case, a smaller, on a smaller scale in my home state, Dedham, Massachusetts library um, had a big fight over a Christmas tree. The Christmas tree uh, was not going to be put up because it, quote unquote, harmed people. (laughs) It made people uncomfortable. And so the social media spat kind of blew up because somebody at the library complained or somebody that worked for the library complained that the library wasn't allowed to put up the Christmas tree to protect certain people's non-Christian, I guess, views of the Christmas tree. And so this person went online and said, I can't believe that a Christmas tree is that offensive that we can't have a Christmas tree up at the at the local library. Well, that person was responded to on uh, December 6th uh, by a person named Diane Loud who accused the, uh, the complaining uh, pro-Christmas tree person of putting people's lives in a lot of danger by revealing the library's decision about the Christmas tree. Loud wrote, for a tree, for a mother-blanking tree, you would put people's lives in a lot of danger, a lot of danger in a profanity-laden post. Loud also appeared to mock the beliefs of Christians, referring to God as a magic sky daddy and comparing Christ and Christmas to happy horses. The post read in part, Uh, Quote, I hope the fact that you who claim to believe in Christ and Christmas or whatever happy horses you're trying to hide behind are the least gracious, most hateful, most disgusting trash in the world. Is this what you think your magic sky, sky daddy wants? Where in the Bible was this again? And by the way, I have quoted you the least hate filled rhetoric from her quotes. They're actually far worse. And it's just kind of ironic that she is lashing out at this person being hateful by calling her disgusting trash. I mean, (laughs) the irony just keeps popping up. Anyway, the person who wrote that hate-filled rhetoric on Facebook rightfully lost her job and her position on the Human Rights Council in Dedham, Massachusetts. So that's really good, but it's not just, it's still not the end of anti-Christian sentiment in our country. Consider the fact that Kirk Cameron uh, wrote a book and was denied a story hour slot by public libraries across the country, by the way, for his faith-based Chris, uh, uh, kids book. The child, the formerly child actor and now actor writer 
has not gotten a single yes from the 50 plus public libraries his publisher has contacted so far. The messaging does not align, he was told by the libraries. Many of the same libraries that won't give Cameron a slot, however, have no problem actively offering drag queen story hours or similar programs for kids and young people, according to Cameron's book publisher. Uh, this is all reported in the news. Uh, it's kind of funny too, because in 2019, and this is again where the Babylon Bee becomes a prophetic voice for where our country is going. The Babylon Bee put up this satirical article, check it out, library under fire for hosting controversial straight male story hour. <laughs> so, you know, kind of the same idea here is like what, 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 what values are going to be supported in the cultural conversation and it's becoming more and more clear that Christian values will not be tolerated. They will not be tolerated. It's going to get worse. If you're a half-hearted Christian, you're never gonna last. Now, some people say this, you know what the best thing is? Let's do this. Let's not get involved in politics at all. Is that the answer? Don't get involved in politics. In fact, I have some pastor friends who hate the fact that I do this. They hate the fact that I talk about politics. They think that it's the church's job to go and have nice worship services and be nice and safe and tell people that Jesus is nice, so be nice and never say anything outside the church walls that might make somebody upset. Um, should we not get involved in politics? And, and I think the question should be posed a little bit differently. Because politics is a people issue and people are made in the image of God and therefore all people are a theological issue. Got it? Politics is a people issue, how we treat people, how we believe about people. People are made in the image of God, therefore politics is a theological issue. And I was thinking about it. Look at who argues on each side of the political aisle. I'm looking and I see who it is and you need to see who it is. Let me ask this question. What if our political fight was just a fight amongst professing Christians? Because that's exactly what it is. Do you know who's pushing abortion and gay marriage? Do you know who's pushing this stuff? Professing Christians, Profe not just professing Christians, pastors. Pastors are pushing sexual morality and abortion. The um, recent uh, Senate runoff seat between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker, pro-life Herschel Walker, pro-abortion Raphael Warnock, pro-family Herschel Walker, pro-LGBT uh, Raphael Warnock. Warnock won. And pastors across Georgia, Christian professing pastors were talking about how important it was that the pro-LGBT, pro-abortion, anti-American Raphael, pastor Raphael Warnock won his race. Watch this. Democrats in charge of the Senate already, right now. A red wave, y'all, was all the way. But look at God. That red wave went straight to hell. Pastor Warnock, even if he wins or loses, we still have the majority in the Senate right now. So we thank God for that. No red wave. I know we have some Republicans, but... We've no red wave. Let's yeah, pray. that's Father. one example. Here's another example. United Methodist and Episcopalian Church clergy lead prayer rally to bless abortion clinic. Uh, here's another example on TikTok. Pro-abortion pastor says having an abortion made her feel known, heard, and loved by God more than ever before. Personally, have never felt more known and heard and loved by God than when I entered the doors of a Planned Parenthood in Bleecker Street in New York City. On a fall morning in the middle of my seminary career, I was accompanied by two friends, my then partner and his friend, my cell phone carrying messages of love from my parents and from my pastor. That morning, I made the decision to receive an abortion, and I was not alone. I was in the process of being known. So this is a pastor. By the way, do you see anything in the common denominator of the mainline churches right now when it comes to pastors who are literally verbally promoting abortion? Like, I get it. The black pastors, they like their uh, pro-Democrat candidates because black people tend to be Democratic voters. I understand that. But they're not usually pro-abortion pastors. Very few. But when it comes to the white mainline churches, look at, look at the pastors. See, see anything similar? See anything similar? See what? the common denominator. I know I'm going to get some hate for this, but it's true. <laughs> That's why Paul said, I do not permit a woman to teach, preach, or have authority over a man. But my point is, is this, is that it is not a political debate. It's a theological debate. So yes, we need to say something. We need to fight back with truth. 
and reason and biblical responses. And yes, we need to subscribe to this channel. We need to like the video. <laughs> we need to give the beard some love. We need to get notified on our smartphones when we go live because this is a theological issue. This is a fight worth having and we've got to say something or the other quote unquote Christian side will do all the other, all the talking. I give you the winner of the rush, the runoff election in Georgia, Pastor War Raphael Warnock. Here's his resume. One time he said America must repent of its worship of whiteness. He was credibly accused of purposefully running over his wife's foot with his car. He is pro-abortion. He is pro-LGBTQIA. By the way, no, no restrictions on abortion from the pastor, the good pastor, Raphael Warnock. He, he tweeted out, the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are a Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to self, save ourselves, end quote. By the way, that last quote is just straight Pelagianism. That's just straight save yourselfism through good personism. And it is anathema. It is not the gospel. It is a hideous heresy that has dragged many people to hell. You do not save yourself. You are a sinner and there is only one savior and you can do nothing to earn his salvation. It is a gift of grace through faith. So you say, I can't believe that these are pastors doing this. This is pa a pastor's doing it. A pastor's saying it. Look, guys, again, read the Bible. We're not supposed to be caught off guard by this. When Paul leaves the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, what does he say to them? This is Acts chapter 20. He says, look, I know after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul says that the problem is not going to come from outside the church. It's going to come from inside the church. There is going to be a, an abandonment of truth and righteousness in our culture, in our churches. And yes, church leaders will be largely responsible for for, for these political movements that eventually remove Christian rights and freedoms away from our culture and celebrate the fornication of children, the pornication, pornification of children, the, the dissolution of the family, the, uh, the value of male and female or the distinctions of those. This is a fight worth having because it's the fight we've always had. The fight for truth is the fight that takes place in the church and we need to speak up and we need to say what is right. Anyway, let's close on a good note because I like to close on a good note, get you loving this show and coming back for more. Rebellion is back in. Rebellion is back in. And that brings me to really good news. Really, really, really good. That's really good news. It's good. Yeah, rebellion. I am going to encourage you to rebel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, rebel. You heard me right. I'm a pastor and I'm telling you, rebel. Uh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> had uh, Tim Dillon on his podcast the other day and has admitted that the sexual revolution has been so successful in transforming culture that those who used to be rebels are now mainstream majority members of culture. Yeah, the people who used to dress up as dogs and experience puppy play now get popular positions in the federal government. Want to have sex with anyone and dance provocatively in front of your neighbors in a spandex thong bodysuit? You're a total yawn now. But if you want to be countercultural, if you want to stick it to the man, if you want to be a rebel, do something crazy like, I don't know, follow Christ. The cool kids aren't woke. Watch this, watch this uh, clip. Green grass is coming through the snow. Yes, all like, the cool kids now are unwoke. Some of them are going back to Christianity because it's the only way to be rebellious. <laughs> because, you know, everybody's blue-haired, non-binary, talking about orgies and that's like <laughs> it's the cover of newsweek so you you have to be like a catholic opus day you know like doing the sing the rosary to be uh a problem now. yeah like you used to be able to just dye your hair and get a tattoo and a nose ring now that's like oh what are you running for congress <laughs> that's what young kids are doing now they've realized that how empty mm. this current world is that we've created spiritually for people because yeah. it is empty it isn't she's very yeah. empty empty that is amazing by the way it reminded me of the old quote i bring it up every once in a while in my church alice cooper said drinking beer is easy trashing your hotel room is easy but being a christian that's a tough call that's rebellion and quote yeah alex cooper well said my friends, I bring you back to where we started in this episode, hopefully a very helpful episode, very awakening, eye-opening episode. The world, and this, the world and its desires are passing away, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is no time to be half-hearted about faith. This is no time 
to let this stuff bother you. It should excite you. It should, it should cause you to gear up and say, yes, I am not of this world. And I don't care what they say about, they're nuts. Look at them, they're crazy. I'm following Christ and it's greater than it's ever been. There's more opportunity to be a witness in our culture than ever before because it doesn't even take much to be countercultural today. And no, most people won't like you. Most people will not appreciate it. No, most people will not celebrate you, but there will be people who need you. So be looking for them because they might be the very people that God sent you to, to bring them out of this darkness and into God's wonderful light. Amen. Hey guys, my new book is coming out, Ending Emptiness. Get away from this world, get out of this nonsense. And if you support the channel through the Cash App or timhatchlive.com slash support, for any amount, you get a free digital first chapter when it comes out. And if you're a monthly supporter, you get a free uh, paper copy of the, the book. By the way, the deep dive is back tomorrow night at 7.30 where we go through uh, 1 Kings chapter 9. And I look forward to seeing you then. Uh, 10 questions with Tim is always a hit. Get your questions in earlier the better. Friends, ask at timhatchlive.com or in the comments below and we will try to answer as many questions as we can. Uh, follow us on our social media channels. Our TikTok channel is up to like 15,000 followers, guys. That's incredible. Thank you for following us. Thank you for liking and subscribing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night on the deep dive. God bless you. Have a great night.